This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we're feeling fabulous with Jack Favalukas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are. We are. This is my best attempt at alliteration. Yeah, there's but, a, uh, quite no. a few Fs there, and uh, it's true. We had a great talk with Jack. and uh, Super interesting guy, professor at Sauter School of Business. He's in the finance division. Um, just actually came out with a study looking at how effective the foreign buyer tax has been in terms of curbing pricing in Vancouver. Yeah, and the study looks at New York and Vancouver, so it's great. Super and, and the other thing is just, I mean, he's obviously a student of real estate, but Jack's lived in what a ton of hot markets, Seattle, New York, right. or sorry, not Seattle, but uh, San no. Diego, New York, London. Originally um, from San Diego. Yeah. Don't meet too many people from San Diego, but what a place to be from. Yeah, like especially people that have left. Is, like you don't mean well. Why would left. you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, why would you leave San Diego? I mean, that's we, that's we should have asked one. them. That's the number one spot yeah. in, in North America for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, so, really interesting conversation with Jack. What's going on with you before we get to that? Yeah. So anyway, stay tuned for Jack. But before that, Adam, you were uh, you're basically world famous now. You know what? I was. Uh, I was. The, I, yeah. Far from far from world famous. I had a uh, interview with Canadian press last week. Really exciting, talking about 
the downtown east side. Yeah, I was there. I was to listening area. to it because it was we were trying to record a podcast. Well, I was thinking Canadian Press. You know, it gets syndicated. It goes out to hundreds of publications, and then it you know, which and it is, did, which is good. It went out to a lot of different publications and and yeah, news. National Post, CTV News, uh, Nanaimo News, uh, several, several. It was everywhere. <laughs> several it was everywhere. Everywhere. We actually made it a Lethbridge Herald. <laughs> Lethbridge Herald. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, the Calgary. Uh, what was it? The Stand Calgary Phoenix. Chronicle. Calgary Herald. I'm just making Herald. stuff yeah. up. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. But it, it it went out to a lot of publications. But the big thing was, I prepared for this. I I we we were thinking about this for long and hard for about forty five minutes. You know, spitballing ideas the about the downtown yeah. east side. I think I talked to uh, the guy doing the article. Really nice guy. Talked to him for about an hour about a variety of things. And of course, one sentence. <laughs> one sentence. In the, I think. In I the think entire, take, and, it, and I don't. And I don't sell. Sound and it was very like intelligent. Adam Scalina agrees. Period. Yeah. New paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it and yeah. Anyways, it was uh, no, but I appreciate the uh, the opportunity and um, yeah, great great working with the with the editor there. Really yeah, nice guy, you know so. the but it was true. I think you spit out a lot of gold and uh, well, you say Braden, they took the bronze. The article, yeah. well, the article wow. was good. The article was good overall, though. I thought it was an interesting article. Um, so you can check that out. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have post a, it on the sh- in the show notes. Yeah, we'll post that in the show notes. Matt, what's going on with you? You look well, um, yeah, you exhausted. Were, you were in the National and, Post. Uh, um, I found a new podcast called Case File. Oh, wow. That's what we, uh, we, we tend to do on here is redirect our listenership <laughs> to other podcasts. This is, uh, this, yeah, I don't see it as direct competition, although maybe well, <laughs> actually stay tuned. it's like a, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's like the dateline of, for podcasts. It's Where do like you listen best, to podcasts? You know what I got? I walk a dog. Uh, just, just any dog or, yeah. or is <laughs> yeah. it yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, so I, that's when I'm listening to the show, but man, it is like, it's like dateline, but better. Right. Uh, it's not all about better than Dateline. Sing- I know it's hard to imagine, but um, but yeah, what's like, the guy's name on Dateline? Just Keith? Is it Keith, Keith Winter? Uh, what's his name? Yeah, the with guy the, looks the like crevices a thousand in his years face, old. Yeah, yeah, that are like it's a Grand Canyon all over his face. Yeah, Keith Morrison. Keith Morrison. <laughs> Love Keith Morrison. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, but no, this is a podcast everybody should check out. I mean, I just listened to the Jonestown Massacre three part series. It's smart, but not too smart. You know, there's no, it's not like, you know, it, right. existential, like serial or something where you're like, oh, you this is put too, some thought into yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like, man. It's not a meditation. It's, no, exactly. It's an opportunity to meditate. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're tired on a Friday night. Yeah. And yeah. So check that out for sure. But that's a, yeah, that's basically my life. No, you know what's crazy is how whatever you watch on TV is often a direct correlation of how stressful your life is. That is exactly like with true. your day to day, right? Actually, we were talking about that, and my wife's father, I guess my father in law, like I used to say to him, "Oh, you should check out, you know, The Wire or whatever." And yeah, he was, this was he's retired now; he's yeah. still working. And he'd be like, well, I can't. Why would I do that? Right. I, I, I want to watch uh, The Big Bang Theory or something insane yeah. that you know yeah. I couldn't imagine Really bad watching. television. Really bad television where you, it's just I mindless. Find, and every year my television taste gets worse. I Dateline. Had, uh, Dateline. Well, uh, Dateline, yeah. I, I kind of I have a weird soft spot for Dateline. I don't like to think of it as the worst, but... I'll tell you what is the worst, the voice. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to admit to watching it, but I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> once. Because I wouldn't once. even know. No, but, yeah. But it, you know what it is, is there's some bad television out there and you catch yourself like just kind of just, when you need something on almost just that you can like stare at the at the wall 
and uh, cry yourself to sleep because you've been so busy. This is, but this is case file. I'm telling this, you, yeah. and it's like you you lose yourself in like the Jonestown massacre story. Like it's three hours, it took right. me a long time, but you get right. into it where you're like, you know, you, when you've turned it off, you're like, oh man, what's happened for the last 45 minutes? You're it's just like when totally you, yeah. immersed, yeah, which I never feel. It, it's like if you can say this, I was fully present. While listening to that podcast, wow! Don't don't tell your wife. Don't tell your wife. Um, the first time you've been present in yeah, years, yeah, like the first time in the last four years, and I was yeah. like, "This is funny. yeah, yeah." The guy from Casefile, the Australian oh, that does the narrative. But anyway, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, speaking of that. Actually, we we watched the first episode of. This is now becoming just a media <laughs> podcast, but um, we actually just watched the first episode of The Deuces. Yeah, is that no, right? The Deuce. The Deuce. The Deuce. That's, I've been it calling is it. I've told like 40 people about it. I've called it Google Deuces it. Gone Check Wild. Check out The Deuces. <laughs> Deuce. Um, yeah. It is The Deuce. Deuce. David Simon. David Simon's new show. That is that is awesome. It's a it's a great show. It's a fantastic show. It's a little hard to watch it sometimes. It's uh, well, this is it's Sabrina an example had. of what we're talking about right like yeah. you you know it's like oh man I really you gotta be relax. present though you gotta be you gotta be very present for yeah that it's show. a smart show it's yeah, a smart show for so sure maybe we should get on to real estate related news yeah matt quickly before we get to that you know last week we talked about an opportunity for the realtors that listen to the program so we've got a lot of realtors out there that listen and we really appreciate that and for thanks sure. for you know getting in touch or for mentioning the podcast um here's an opportunity uh, we don't get anything from it. There's nothing really for us, but we we have linked up with a group that does social media training for real estate agents. They're fantastic guys. Yeah, it's a Flynn, fantastic Connor, group. the team over at Junction um, Media. At Junction yeah. Media. And yeah. so if you want, they've got a a, pro, a course coming up. It's a one day course. It's uh, November twenty first at the Blue Hotel. Blue Hotel, yeah, and it's uh, super, super reasonably priced already. But if you're a listener to the podcast, they told us that um, our listeners get twenty percent off. Yeah, so go to real-social.ca and sign up. Um, I think we told people last time that the Andrew code was Scalina, but people Scalina just have 20. real trouble spelling that. Yeah, it turns out uh, nobody really pays much attention to us, just to guess. So uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe just There's sign up. There's a banner up. at the top. There's, There's a, a banner at the top. Click sign the up, exactly. So sign up on uh, real-social.ca uh, and uh, get 20% off. Yeah, close your eyes, think of Scalina and press sign up. Yeah, exactly. And try and spell it. Um, Anyways, Matt, let's get on to our interview uh, with uh, UBC Sauter School of Business professor Jack Favalukas. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Jack Favalukas, professor at Sauter School of Business in the finance division. How are you, Jack? I'm well. Thanks for taking the time today. Happy to do it. So, Jack, can you maybe start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so, I'm a finance professor, uh, and interestingly enough, I've lived in some of the hottest real estate markets. So, I grew up in San Diego. I did my PhD in New York City, uh, and then my first job was at the London School of Economics, and now I'm in Vancouver. So, um, this issue of uh, foreign real estate buyers has, has always been, I guess, close on my mind. Interesting. So you've been in some <laughs> those are real hot markets. How does Vancouver compare to those to those cities? Um, so we have some very rough estimates of the number of foreign buyers in New York versus Vancouver, and 
even if you just look at Manhattan alone, in Vancouver, it seems like foreign buyers are making up a larger fraction of the market. But looking at just Manhattan is the wrong thing because New York City is much bigger than that. And if you look at foreign buyers relative to the size of New York Metro, they're much, much smaller than uh, the numbers that we see in Vancouver. And it feels if you kind of talk to people in the city or walk down the street, it feels that way as well. They, it just doesn't seem like they're as big of an issue, although, of course, they are somewhat of an issue there. Right, right. So are foreign buyers a problem in the Vancouver housing market? I think problem is a bit too harsh of a term, but I think they're certainly potentially a problem. Uh, they could also be a benefit if, uh, if the government reacts to this in the right ways. I think when the government does nothing, then potentially they do hurt the locals, and this is actually what our research finds. So if you imagine, first, a very simple world where every person is an owner and every person really cares about their offspring, and so they're going to leave any wealth that they receive from, let's say, their, their house to their offspring. In a situation like that, I think foreign buyers would not be a, uh, any kind of negative for a city. And, and the reason is the following. So suppose foreign buyers show up and they want to buy housing in your city. Uh, well, your choice is to either do nothing and not sell to them, in which case you're no worse off, or if they offer you enough money, then you sell to them and then you're better off. So in that simple world, uh, this, there's this capital gains channel, which is going to benefit people unequivocally. Does that make sense? That makes yeah. sense, yeah. Yeah, but the real world's more complicated than that. Um, so in the real world, certainly ownership rates are high. So Vancouver ownership rate is somewhere around 65%. But you also have a significant number of renters. And what we find is that renters are unequivocally hurt by foreign buyers because when foreign buyers come in, um, they bid up prices, the, they take supply off the market, and this causes rents to go up. And it turns out that renters are hurt by much more than the owner's benefit. And even among owners, not everyone's going to benefit. So if you imagine a uh, 30-year-old family that uh, maybe owns a two-bedroom condo, but five years down the road, they'd like to move into a bigger house because they're going to have kids and so on. Well, they don't necessarily benefit from the capital gains on their condo because the house they would like to buy down the road is much bigger. And the increase in price on that house is going to offset any capital gains on the condo that they receive. And so basically, it's a, it's a question of winners versus losers. It might be the case that the city overall benefits, despite some people being hurt, or it might be like the case that kind of the average person in the city is actually hurt. And so that's what our research is all about. We wanted to build a realistic model of a city with the right number of renters, the right number of owners, the right number of young people and old people and so on. And within this realistic city, ask, do the winners benefit more than, than the losers are hurt? And what we find is, is the opposite. We find that um, when foreign capital comes into the city and takes supply off the market and bids up prices, uh, it turns out that the losers are hurt much more than the winners benefit. So we estimate that a typical renter in Vancouver is hurt by something like $900 per year where the typical owner benefits by something like $300 per year. And so as a result, on average, Vancouver is worse off by this. But again, these uh, heterogeneous effects of owner versus renters, young versus old, are really, really important. Interesting. So one question that comes to mind here is, so it sounds like the model you've created is, how specific is it to Vancouver? And and I guess my question is, so there's 65% of Vancouverites are owners and 35% are renters. So is this kind of a normal percentage in terms of cities around the world? Or um, so, so obviously there's a lot of heterogeneity across the world. For the U.S. as a whole, if you look at you know the, the entire U.S. and you don't focus on, let's say, New York City, yeah, that would be pretty close to the U.S. ownership rate. Now, if you, like, if you take a place like New York City, the ownership rate is actually much lower. 
Right. Uh, but, but yeah, kind of areas with uh, large suburban populations, yeah, this is typical. In terms of winners and losers, it sounds like the losers are, are more drastically impacted in a negative way than the winners. So is there a more general kind of takeaway here that foreign ownership is, is bad? So the second part of our paper is about how can we uh, potentially react to this and, and make them from bad to good. And there's lots of things we can do to offset these negative effects. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that foreign buyers are bad in general. I think they're potentially bad if we do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of talk about taxes and things like this or bans, and we can talk about some of these things later. Um, but the obvious solution um, is just to allow more supply. So, of course, not all cities can allow more supply. In some places, you have on one side a mountain and the other side an ocean, and you can't, just cannot build more. But if it's possible to uh, allow more supply, then these foreign buyers are not a bad, uh, do not have a bad effect on the market. And the reason is that these foreigners bring in money and they bring in capital gains. So the, the reason that they're potentially bad is that they're taking supply off the market. But if you build enough extra housing to accommodate all of this foreign demand, then Locals are not hurt since there's still plenty of housing for the locals. And additionally, these foreigners are bringing a lot of money into the local economy, and this is going to benefit uh, the profits of developers. This is going to benefit the wages of construction workers, and that money will find its way into the rest of the economy. So the first question is, is it possible to build more? And of course, Vancouver as a city is going to need to make a decision as to do we want to allow more building or not? In my personal view, it seems like Vancouver is still fairly low density. The zoning laws are extremely restrictive. There's lots of red tape that uh, developers have to go through if they want to build a house. So I think Vancouver, in my personal view, can build more. But I think this is not a decision for me to make. Of course, this is uh, we as a society or as a city need to figure out whether we want to allow for that. And if we do, I think that would be the best solution to responding to these winners and losers that come out of, of uh of foreign capital into the Vancouver market. So really, it, it sounds to me like it's an issue of foreign buyers kind of coupled with the fact that we don't have room for expansion. What about, uh, is there a market that you've looked at where urban sprawl can exist, where where the density supports foreign buyers or foreign activity and, it's, and, it's, and they're not having these same issues with affordability? The only two markets that we've looked at are New York City and Vancouver. Right. And uh, both of these markets, I think it's difficult to to build more. But again, I, I, I want to emphasize that difficult doesn't mean that it's not possible. Again, my view is that Vancouver has the space to build more um, and is making a conscious decision not to build more. Right. So, Jack, you've lived in a lot of cities with bustling real estate markets. Do you find Vancouver in comparison to these cities uh, in terms of density and building, do you find that we have more limitations than other cities? Yeah, or another way to phrase that is, is does New York do it better? Well, New York is certainly much higher density, and London is much higher density. If you walk just outside of downtown Vancouver, you see lots of neighborhoods with uh, one, two, three-story buildings, whereas in New York City, this, that's not going to happen. The other big thing um, that, I, that I think perhaps doesn't get talked about enough is public transportation. So New York has great public transportation, which allows people to live fairly far away, but still get to work in the center city in reasonable times. So if you go just a half an hour outside of Vancouver, you see plenty of empty space or uh, farmland. 
And some of that can potentially, again, if the city decides that it wants to build more, some of that can potentially be built with the housing, and that would greatly increase or uh, improve affordability. But for that, you need the infrastructure and people to be able to go get from there to the center city and so on. Jack, one of the things that it sounds like your study found was that there's a much more negative impact in Vancouver because of foreign buyers than in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you speak just more generally? I mean, in the last three, four years, we've seen incredible price appreciation in the real estate market here. Are foreign buyers a driving force in these price increases? And and how much so, do you think? I think they're certainly part of it. Um, in our model, they are. They don't seem to be the major part, but uh, we're still kind of tinkering and trying to figure out what's going on. So in our model, foreign buyers are responsible for roughly uh, a 5 to 10% increase in prices and rents. Let me just say that we don't have great data on the number of foreign buyers. We assume that uh, foreign buyers are... 10% of uh, total real estate demand. With Given that number, we find that prices and rents increase by uh, something like 5 to 10% relative to uh, if there were no foreign buyers. So obviously, actual price increases have been, have been much larger. And so we think foreign buyers are part of the driving force, but they're not the entire driving force. In general, so Vancouver population has grown fairly fast over the last 30 years. I'm not, I'm not sure about the last four years, but over the last uh, 30 or so years, Vancouver has grown much, much faster than um, Canada as a whole. And we've had lots of immigrants, both from within Canada and from outside of Canada. And so these are also driving forces that uh, will cause prices and rents to rise. That percentage is pretty striking, considering that, say, last spring, spring of 2016, I mean, we were seeing 3 4% increases month over month. Right. So the percentage of price increase because of foreign ownership or foreign purchasers is, is quite small. Yeah, it seems small, but uh, perhaps the true number of foreign buyers has been much higher than what uh, we estimate from the data. So the data on this, as I said, is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the number of foreign buyers is much higher than 10%, then the effect on prices is going to be much higher. But uh, 10% is our best guess. Right. And have you guys accounted for or tried to account, and this is much more slippery in my mind, but just foreign money in general? Because a lot of buyers that are in this market are getting money from from outside the country as down payments? Right. So that's a good question. And uh, we can't, because the data is not great, we just can't say anything about that. So we, what we did was we took the data that BC began calculating uh, maybe two years ago or so. And in that data, they identified roughly 10% of buyers as having foreign or- origins. But you're absolutely right. It's possible that there could be some a local person buying on behalf of their cousin abroad, or it could be some person from Alberta uh, that is uh, buying uh, a terre in Vancouver. Um, and from the point of view of a Vancouverite that's struggling to rent a place, these are all equally foreign buyers. So I actually, I don't, I don't like the term foreign buyers. We, in our paper, we call them out-of-town buyers uh, because uh, from the point of view of, of locals, these are all the same. And so the, the true number might potentially be much, much higher, but we just don't know. And do you guys classify somebody waiting on residency as a foreign buyer, or is that somebody that's uh, considered part of the immigration process? From our point of view, anyone that, that's buying in Vancouver and kind of taking up space, so leaving that, that place vacant and not becoming part of the local labor market, we classify them as uh, as foreign. And so actually, that's that's the key issue. If, if, uh, if these guys come over here, immigrate here, and work here, these are traditional immigrants, which is kind of a separate and a very interesting story, but I, I don't think of them as foreign buyers. And furthermore, if these guys come from 
uh, let's say Alberta, buy a, a condo in Vancouver and then immediately rent it out on the local market as an investment property, you find this has no negative effects. So this is really about somebody from outside of Vancouver buying something local and taking it off of the local rental market. Right, mm. essentially just taking up the space. Right. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter who the, the, the individual, it could be somebody from Alberta or it could be somebody from China. It really doesn't matter. So maybe, uh, Jack, maybe switching gears here, do mm-hmm. you see the foreign buyer tax as good policy? I think based on our our findings of foreign buyers potentially being negative, I think it's better than doing nothing. But I think among all possible policies, I think it's a pretty poor one. And let me explain why. So people have been buying real estate in Vancouver that are coming from abroad for many years. The foreign buyer's tax only affects anybody that is going to buy going forward. And everyone that's bought in the past and it's already taking up supply, they're completely unaffected. So that's the first reason why the foreign buyer's tax, I think, is not great. Um, the second reason is that it doesn't encourage anybody to take these properties and put them on the rental market. So several of my colleagues here at UBC and, and at SFU have actually proposed an alternative policy. And uh, it's, it's been in the media some, but, but perhaps it'd be useful for me to tell you about it. Or you've probably heard from, heard from other uh, UBC faculty about this. I think this is the Tom Davidoff's involved. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, this is Tom's um, Tom's policy. So I could explain why I think it's a much better policy. So sure. the policy would increase property taxes, which at first sounds you know terrible, but uh, let me explain why it's not so terrible. So the policy would increase property taxes roughly from half a percent to about two percent. However, most people would be exempt. In particular, if you pay income taxes in Vancouver, uh, you'd be able to use those to offset these property taxes. If you used to pay income taxes in Vancouver and you're retired, let's say, uh, again, you'd be able to offset this increase in property taxes. Um, the other great thing about this policy is that if you buy a property in Vancouver, uh, let's say you're a foreigner, you buy a property in Vancouver, and you immediately put it on the rental market and you earn rental income from this property, again, you could use this in- rental income to offset your property tax. Um, so the only individuals that would be affected by these tax is individuals who buy property in Vancouver and do not work in Vancouver and take it off of the local rental market. And that's exactly what our model says negatively affects locals. And so this policy basically would encourage people not to do that. So uh, either people would put it on the local rental market, which is great, or they would pay this drastically increased property tax, and this property tax could go back into the pockets of Vancouverites, or or alternatively, the government could uh, use it to improve uh, infrastructure or transportation or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a, just a more of an opinion question here, Jack. But we first had Tom Davidoff on talking about that policy like last spring, maybe like early spring mm-hmm. 2016. And it made a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense now. Why has that not been implemented? Like the foreign buyers tax seems so blunt and just misguided in a lot of ways. Do you have any thoughts on that? I completely agree with you. But I think that's a question for politicians rather than me. I think yeah. in general, there's there's a lot of policy inertia. I think it's very possible that when the liberals were deciding on putting in the 15% tax, they weren't aware of this alternative policy. They felt like they needed to do something quickly. I'm, and I'm just totally guessing here. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Perhaps they felt like they needed to do something quickly and they put in uh, this 15% tax without too much thought. Now that the tax is put in, I think uh, perhaps it's difficult to 
uh, go back and say, okay, we don't like that tax. We're going to put in a different tax. But again, this is this is really politics. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's politically pretty difficult to take that tax away. I would think now. It has has there been any surprises like watching the market in the last fourteen, fifteen months since the foreign buyer tax? What's the biggest surprise um, in terms of how the markets reacted? I guess I would have expected a bigger drop in foreign buyers. So what we saw was, uh, we saw a pretty significant drop in foreign buyers, I think, from just immediately from before to after the tax, it went from something like 10% to something like 3%. Uh, and then we saw prices drop by about 5% over the next six months. And now they're back roughly to pre-tax levels. So basically, I think prices have been fairly flat over the last year or so. The 15% tax is pretty big. I would have expected foreign buyers to like drop to zero. So I guess... They really, really, really want uh, Vancouver real estate, <laughs> considering that some people are still willing to buy, even with the 15% tax. Now, we did see a drop. We saw a lot of this demand go to other places. Anecdotally, I think Toronto has received some of these foreign flows. Now, Montreal, perhaps, is receiving some of them. The fact that prices dropped, but not by too much, maybe isn't that surprising, because like I said, this tax only affects anyone that's looking to buy going forward. Uh, but anyone that's already bought over the last, let's say, 15 years and taken this real estate off the market, um, they're completely unaffected by this. So how do you impact those people in a way that's, uh, you know... Well, the vacant homes tax is one way, I would think, that is is yeah, moving so in that my, direction, right? My favorite policy is this, is this increase in property tax with exemptions uh, that I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think a vacant home tax is very similar. In general, I like the idea. I think in terms of implementation... The policy that uh, the property tax policy would be easier to implement. Yeah. Um, I think with the vacant homes tax, you're going to have to hire an army of bureaucrats who are going right, to show up at right. your house and uh, figure out if you really live there. There's going to be a bunch of try to wait, ways of trying to get around this. Whereas the property tax policy is, is super simple. You look at um, uh, you get income tax data from the federal government and from BC, and you figure out who is paid, and from that you figure out who owes. Right. So um, moving to moving on to density here, Jack, where is the city failing? What are some solutions for increasing density and creating more product? So I'm not a, a, an expert on, on density and zoning, so I, I can't give you a, a great answer. Uh, just from you know living here and, and looking around, it seems like density is fairly low. If I talk to people in the construction industry, it seems like it's a nightmare to, to build stuff. Um, so... I would guess that these are dimensions in which the government could make it easier to build, but um, this is just kind of a casual observation. Right. Okay. And maybe the last here, Jack, and this is again just because you've you know grew up in San Diego, lived in New York, lived in London. Uh, sounds like you know San Francisco quite well. Does Vancouver? We always think of it as kind of a global city in the same category as as those places. But obviously, New York is a financial center. Same with London. San Francisco is a tech sector. San Diego, San Diego is just amazing. Yeah, San Diego is just amazing. <laughs> do you, being in Vancouver, do you feel like it is in the same category, or is it more of an anomaly? Is it a stranger market? It feels like an anomaly because um, I mean, Vancouver is a, is a productive city. We've got industry here, but it, it's not like New York, where we've got a giant finance industry, or, or like, um, I mean, London, which also has a giant finance industry. Uh, you've got San Francisco, which has a giant tech industry. Seattle has boomed recently, and that's also tech. So, so in, all, in a lot of these cities, foreign buyers are perhaps playing a role, but you've also got very highly productive uh, sectors, which are 
going to be you know, paying high wages and it's going to drive home prices as well. And in Vancouver, surprisingly, we don't see much of that. Uh, Vancouver doesn't have this super booming tech or finance. And we see super high prices nevertheless. So that's a puzzling thing about Vancouver. Yeah, and we've talked about that quite a bit on the program before, but what are your, and I know you're not in the game of making predictions, but what do you think of the future of the city? Um, like you said, I'm, I'm not in, you, you mean prices? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not in or the real game. estate. So, yeah, the real so estate. Oftentimes, oftentimes in economics, it turns out that the best forecast is the simplest, uh, yeah. which is, which means that basically prices stay roughly where they are or grow at, at, at some moderate rate. Well, you seem to move to all the booming markets, so keep us posted on where you're moving next, and <laughs> yeah. we'll invest there. If you leave, that's yeah, a you bad can, you sign. can follow me and, and invest in those markets. <laughs> Just before we let you go, Ken, we've got this segment called the Five Wire. Uh, five quick questions uh, about Vancouver. Can you stick around for that? Uh, sure. Okay, excellent. So, uh, first question: What's your favorite area in Vancouver? Um, I live in Kits, and I really like it. It's I, I love the beach. It reminds me of San Diego. Perfect. Right. Favorite bar or restaurant, Jack? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. I like restaurants a lot. Uh, maybe Minami. 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 I don't know if but I've been there. There's a lot of good ones in Vancouver. Okay. Braden, you're our resident food expert. You know Minami? That sounds familiar. Yeah. Where? <laughs> where what street is Minami on? It's, it's in Yale Town. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. It's right by our office. Um, Westside Mansion or Downtown Penthouse? Um, Westside Mansion. Nice. Is that an investment uh, answer, <laughs> <laughs> or is that just a little? No, we always like to ask the economics. I'm at the stage uh, in my life where we're having a, a you know a backyard and and all that stuff sounds better than uh, living in a high rise. Right. Where Where do you take someone from out of town first place? Maybe Stanley Park in the seawall, or Grouse Mountain. That's what I do. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and uh, sushi in Vancouver or Mexican food in uh, San Diego? Ooh, tough one. That um, is a good one. I'm I'm gonna go with with Mexican in San Diego just because I don't get Mexican. I don't get good Mexican very often anymore. But yeah. uh, Vancouver sushi is really really good. That's why San Diego is a world class city. <laughs> yeah. Mexican food, Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, awesome. So how how can uh, people find out more about your work, Jack, and uh, more about you in general? Um, so all my work is on my website. It's a bit academic, but uh, certainly if, if people are interested, they uh, they can take a look. Excellent. Fantastic. We'll put a link to it in our show notes. So thanks so much, Jack. Really appreciate your time. That was a fascinating conversation for sure. Yeah, thanks for calling me. It was great. Okay, okay. have a good take day. Care. Bye. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Jack Favaloukas at the UBC Solder School of Business. Super excited to have uh, Jack on the program. Yeah. He's a uh, he's really bright guy. Everybody at Solder School of Business who's come on, though, we've we've had just great guests Yeah, in the they past. hit it out of the park. It's uh, best should, and the brightest over there. Just, yeah, we should just go office by office. Can't afford and, uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't afford tuition. We should audit the classes. So. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. kidding, no kidding. But, you know, and just in thinking of why the policy proposal put forward by Tom Davidoff and a bunch of other folks at UBC and SFU right. that makes so much sense hasn't been implemented yet uh, and probably won't be implemented even though it seems like the, the best it's, course of action is, sure, sure. is a lack of political will. And, and in thinking about this, I'm just thinking it must be because the headline is going to be property taxes 
are on the rise. Right. Right. And right. and politicians are just so fearful of that. Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's interesting. And we've had so many people on from, you know, we, I mean, we're at almost our hundredth episode here. We've had a ton of people come on and talk about the foreign buyer tax. Nobody has said it's good policy. No. Everybody has said, you know, I guess if, if we need something and I guess it's a step in the right direction, but I don't think even anybody who is believes that we need more measures in our market thinks that this is good policy, right? Yeah, and, and and yet it's going to be really hard to get rid of it and replace it with something else that's more effective. Yeah, I think it's nearly impossible. I mean, it, but it, just from a political kind of headline, um, you know, splashy factor, I think taxing a foreign entity, body, yeah. entity, person sure. is, is a lot easier than going after locals uh, who are worried about their property taxes. Right, right. Yeah, the local voting contingent for sure. Um, so, hey, what else do we got? We got our website. It's been completely updated. So go check out VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Oh, yeah. We've made this so easy that if you can't get in touch or sign up for PCS, it's on you. Yeah, it's on you. You know what? What are the buttons? Because I'm click, colorblind. Adam. You lay it, <laughs> well, lay it out for us. I think we actually even wrote the name of the color on the button. It's simple. <laughs> go check it out just for a laugh. Green button for getting in touch. That's if you want to hire us or if you want to just reach out. And, and you know what? It's, like I've said before, the number of people who get in touch and say, are you guys looking for clients? It's like, yeah. Yes, we are definitely. We are real we, estate agents. We cannot say it more explicitly. <laughs> we want to help you. We have a button that says hire us. Absolutely. Uh, there's an orange button for signing up for PCS. So PCS is the best research tool on the market for look, looking at listings. You get listings 36 to 72 hours before the general public MLS. You also get sold prices. You get days on market. You get realtor-level information. And, you know, it's an awesome tool. Yeah. So go sign up for PCS. Like we always say, if you're not using PCS, Matt, you are standing still while the rest of us are power walking by. That's exactly right. And the blue button, Matt, is for email updates, insider information, market data, and pre-sale updates, new projects on the rise. So... Sign up for that. Get on the email list. We're sending out good info. I think an email just went out like 20 minutes ago. I yeah. just felt a buzz in my pocket. Yeah. The Vancouver Real Estate Podcast for all your real estate needs. We're the here in buzz Vancouver. in your pocket. We, for sure. Yeah, we are the well, that's buzz not going to stick. Pocket. That's a sticker. That's a sticker, Braden. <laughs> no, that's, that's a groaner. Um, anyways, but uh, yeah, very good, Matt. And anything else before we go? Uh, well, we do have that listing promotion. Absolutely. Get in touch for the listing promotion. We'll come out and do a market analysis on your place, give you the best information, the best advice, and put together a custom marketing proposal for you and get you top dollar. So what else, Matt? It's October well, 31st. Well, it's October 31st, so it's Halloween. This will come out the day after. So everybody, hope everybody has a safe and happy and healthy Absolutely. Halloween here. Healthy. Healthy. I don't think that goes with Halloween. But yeah, try and uh, don't eat too much candy. And uh, yeah, what are, are you going out tonight? I am going out tonight. Yeah. What are you dressing uh, up as? Well, I'm not. Not. I'm one of the parents. A on the realtor. Oh, yeah. A realtor. I'm, yeah. I'm the parent. I'm Gross. the guy in the suit on the street. Uh, I'm actually. It's just a door knocking campaign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you're just farming your neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, Braden, you're what? Uh, let me guess. Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Oh, TLC. Too soon. No. No scrubs. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, guys, have a great week. And, yeah. Uh, and we'll hold on. Give well, me a call. Well, Give me a call. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. How can people get a hold of you? Seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com. Or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six. 4574 or Adam at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com and Brady D. Media at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Excellent. All right. Well, have a great week and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Haunt you later. That's not a thing. <laughs>
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.